morning, everyone. Um, okay, before I forget, just please, please, uh, obviously next week is Tisha B'Av, there will not be a class. Rabbi David Katz will be uh, leading Kinos over here, as he, as he has for the past couple of years. Um, it is... I, I think, uh, you know, it's not, not always the most inspiring. I shouldn't say this in recording. It's not the most, it's, 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 he, he explains the kinos. He explains the kinos. He does what we're supposed to be doing. He explains the kinos. He gives the historical background to each kina. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's the way it should be done. Uh, obviously, there, there are different models, but uh, so that, that's what's happening next Sunday. Obviously, there will not be a class. And please look at the bulletin. I don't remember offhand, but between travel and other things, the next few weeks are going to be a little bit uh, up in the air. So uh, if you're not on the Shul's email list, Please get on the Shul email list. That would be the best way to find out or look at the bullets. The best thing is just be on the email list and you could just see, um, check if uh, that, you know, before, before Sunday if it's on. Yes. Is it, it going to be on Zoom also? No. If, oh, Rabbi Katz. I, yeah. I know he was looking into doing that. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, if you're on the email list, it'll probably be on the, <laughs> we'll let people know. He is not. There is recording. There is recording through the OU website. You could get Rabbi Weinreb and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's usually. I've, it's probably been recorded already. But I, I think. I think it's. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. With that in mind, so we're actually going a little bit out of order. We've been doing brachos. Uh, I realized I skipped over a couple of uh, pertinent halachos that come up uh, from time to time about tefillah, and so we're just going to review a couple of perhaps lighter halachos, but important things to keep in mind when we are davening. And let's jump in. Let's jump in. So um, here we have, let's start on source number one. That should be the front page you have in front of you. Um, we're not, we'll be going through a number of different sets of halachos, not one consistent theme throughout. So the first halacha begins with a Gemara in Brachos. The Gemara says as following, as follows. Am Rav Chista, Rav Chista says, La'olam adam shnei a person should always go into two doors into their shul. Okay? Now, what does this mean? The Gemara says, You have to walk into like two doors. What if the shul has one door? Like, what does that mean? You have to walk in through two doors. Ela'ema, rather say, what Rav Chista was really teaching us is, Shi'ur shneip sachim. You have to go into the measurement of two doors. And then daven. Okay? Now, I know this is still cryptic. Okay, but the Gemara is telling us, Rav Chista says, you have to go in the measurement of two doors, and then you daven. There's source sheets right behind you. Um, right? So go in the measurement of two doors. What does that mean? The measurement of two doors. So we'll see, this is a three-way debate as to what exactly this means. We'll start with Rashi. If you look, Rashi's on the left over here. Rashi says, what does Shir Shnel Shnei Psachim mean? Rochav, it means like by the width, the distance. Yikanes Lefnim. You should go inside the soul. Shul. Don't sit or stand near the door. Because if you're standing by the door, it appears like it's a burden, right? Staying in shul. And you're standing by the door, so you can make a quick exit. Oh, the rabbi's getting to speak. You know, you want to basically run out the door, right? Or shul's almost over, run out the door, right? Stand. So Rashi understands, what does shir shnei psachim mean? It means don't stand right by the door. Rather, a door typically is, uh, you know, look at a door's, a door's width. And so imagine double that amount of width. Don't stand right near the door. Don't stand right near the door because if you stand right near the door, it appears, not necessarily is it true, but it appears as if you're getting ready to go. And so it's disrespectful. It's a disrespectful place to daven. That's Rashi's view, okay? So basically he's telling people, you know, and, and you know, people like congregating the door, right? As, as you go further back in Shul, right? This row is usually completely empty. Second row, maybe one person, yep. As you go further back, the back is packed with people. It's not an air time. And it's every Shul, every Shul, people like hanging out by the back. What the Gemara is saying over here, or at least Rashi's interpretation, is that it's disrespectful. It shows that you're not really 
situated. It shows that you're not really settled and there's a part of you who just wants to go out the door. Now, there are two other opinions in terms of how to understand this Gemara. The Maharam understands, and this is something which is not as relevant in shoals in our day. Keep in mind, back in the day, you know, we... We have this vast room, right? A vast space. And then it opens up into a social hall and opens up into a front foyer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Back in the day, you had a building. You had a door to the building, the shul, and it was basically open to the street, right? So if you had a door, if you stood by the door, um, especially if the door was open, which it often was, no ventilation, no air conditioning, no whatever, the door's open typically when they're, when they're running, right? So you would look, you'd basically be watching outside and you see the horses going by, you see the people going by. It's quite distracting standing by the door. Right? So the Maharam understands Shir Shnei Psacha means stand away from the door, not because it looks bad, but practically so that it's not distracting. Right? If you're standing by the door, you're going to see all the people walking by. So, you know, certainly, and it depends on the situation. You know, in our show, it might still be relevant in, you know, our social hall could get pretty busy. So if you're sitting, standing in a place or sitting in a place that's next to a door, it might, not that it looks bad, it's that you might be looking in the wrong place in the wrong direction we're distractible, right? And if you see a lot of people moving next to you, you might get distracted and that might prevent you from properly concentrating on davening. Fine, let's, let's see one more opinion. The Rush, okay, Rabbeinu Usher, has a third approach. He says it's not a matter of distance. It's not a matter of going in the distance of two doors, meaning, you know, about eight feet or something is the way they estimate it. It's more about time. He says you should go the measurement of two doors, meaning that distance of about eight feet, which is more or less our doorways, right? You should wait the amount of time it takes to walk eight feet. Why? What's, what would be the rationale behind that? So you don't get hit by the door. Well, that's, but he's saying it's not where you stand, right? He's saying it's about, it, it's about just waiting. It's about mindset. Exactly. He says you shouldn't just walk into davening and pff, you just start davening. There's, you, you can't. You can't transition like that, right? You need to, right? We have a, another Gemara in Brachos that says that Hasidim Harishonim HaYoshim Sha'achas They would sit and wait an hour before they start davening. Halavai. Good luck. We'd be lucky. we wait 10 seconds. It'd be nice if we wait 10 seconds, right? Um, you know, I have a, a little dream, a dream to, to make a podcast, like a, a two-minute podcast for daily things called Sha'achas. And basically like a little mindfulness to like help you. If you're at home, show whatever it is, two minutes to like frame your thoughts before you daven, right? That's what they used to do. They used to wait, they used to wait an hour. We don't have that, that, that headspace to do that. But, but just to wait. So basically, that's what he's saying. To wait 10 seconds. Don't just walk in the street and then start just daven. No, no, no. Wait. It's hard, right? It's hard to hear those few seconds are quiet, right? And then you start davening. That, that's, what, that's what it means, shir shnei sachem, right? So three different opinions. One is, don't stand by the door. It doesn't look good. It looks like you're not really interested in being there. The second opinion, don't stand by the door. You might get distracted. The third opinion says, it's not a matter of where you sit. It's a matter of waiting the, rec- the amount of time, ten se- five seconds, five seconds, and then you start davening. Okay? Now, obviously, um, each opinion, they're, they're, there's big nafkaminas. Each depends on which opinion you rule like. It comes out with different things, right? According to the third opinion, are you allowed to sit by the door? Yeah, because it doesn't matter where you sit. It's just a matter of waiting the amount of time. According to the third opinion, you, you know, you, 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 uh, you know if, you, and if you hold like the first opinion, you, there's, no, um, there's no halacha of waiting before you start davening necessarily, as long as you're not standing by the door. So you can just run in from the door and then start davening five feet away. You're totally fine eight feet away, and you're totally fine, right? So it depends which one of these views you take, it would come out with a different possible ruling. So let's look for a second. We're going to come back to the source sheet, but if you turn the page for a second uh, to see what the Shulchan Aruch does with these three different opinions, he does something very interesting. Uh, if you look at Halacha Yud Tess, um, okay, 
Um, let, let's let's go. Let's 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 catch up, and then we'll get to these. Uh, well, first we'll do halacha yotzes, and we'll get to halacha chaf where he passes this. He says, first of all, yikba. You see that the second page, the second page, uh, the one that's a copy of the Shulchan Aruch, right? Um, the top line there is a large yotzes. Okay, so first he, he quotes an earlier halacha, which we also never really got into, and that is yikba makom litfilaso. A person should have a set place to daven, and that is true not only in shul. It's true at home as well. Wherever you daven, shelo yishanehu, you should not change it. Imlo yitzarech, lo litzarech, unless there is a need. Okay, by the way, what's a good need? A good need is if someone sits in your seat, you know, that's a good need. You get to do the amazing mitzvah of hachnasas orchem almost, right? Of giving them a seat, right? I, I don't know about you, I've been kicked out of seats. Uh, no one ever kicked me out of that seat. But, uh, but, but I've been kicked out of seats uh, coming to Shoal, you know, and sitting in the wrong seat, uh, you know, kicked out. And like you think, you know, who, who do we learn makom uh, kavua from? Anyone know? We learn from Avram Avinu. The Pasuk says that after he davened for Sodom, the Pasuk says the next morning he stood in the same place he stood the day before. And the Gemara says, we learn from Avram Avinu the fact that he stood and they understand that he's standing in prayer, that he comes to the same exact place he stayed, stood before, teaches us you should always go back to the same seat. You should always have the set seat for davening. Right? And I can just imagine Avram Avinu, the, you know, coming to a seat and saying, you're in my seat, get out of here, right? Avram Avinu, sure. Okay, so like of all people, you know, like, of course, if someone's in your seats, on the contrary, of the, some of the Hasidim, Hasidish Rebbe's say that the reason you have a set seat is not for concentration. You know if you have set seats? So that if someone's sitting there, you could give them the seat. That, okay, that's not the real shot, but it's a, it's a nice little, uh, whatever. Fine. The point is, you have a set seat to dive in. Why? Primarily so you're not distracted. Of course, if someone's in that seat or for whatever other, any other extenuating circumstance, circumstance you're allowed to leave, okay? Vein um, die, he says, like the next line. Vein die, not enough that you just have a shoal, the same shoal. You shouldn't be like shoal hopping. Even the shoal that you're set in, you should have a set seat. And again, as I said, it's true that the post can bring down whether you're diving in shoal or at home, at home, you should also have a set place to daven. This should be your corner. This should be your, your set place. Okay, that, that's... Okay, now we're going to get into the halacha that we just learned from the Gemara. Says the Shulchan Aruch, You should enter the, the amount of two doors and then daven. There are those who explain shir shnei psachim. What is the shior, the amount of two doors? You should walk in eight tfachim. Okay, let's, uh, I apologize, not eight, eight feet, it's uh, whatever, a few feet. Yikanis um, lefinim, you should enter about like a few feet into the, into the shul. Shlo yeshev eitzel ha-pesach. You should not sit by the door. Shenira kemasoi yeshivas besaknesis. So it would appear as if it's like a burden sitting in shul. Ulefize, according to this approach, im yeshlo makom meyuchad eitzel ha-pesach. If you have a set designated seat near the door, im bekach klom. It's not, that's not a problem because it's only if like the whole issue of it looking like you're leaving is if it's not a set place. But if you have your set seat near the door, that's fine because it doesn't appear as if you're leaving. That's where I always sit. It's my set seat, right? So it's only when I'm like gathering, mingling by the door. But if this is my set place, it doesn't have that same appearance. Let's keep on reading. There are those who explain, there are those who explain the issue is that you're mabit, you're looking outside, and you won't be able to concentrate. There are people walking back and forth in the street. The caterer is setting up in the social hall, whatever. Ulafiza, and according to this, im If it's not open to the public thoroughfare, or it's not open to a very busy place, im There's no issue. Or if the door's closed, there's no issue, right? But if it is open to something very busy, there would be that issue. 
Okay, there are those who say, The third approach, you shouldn't immediately start davening as soon as you go in. You should wait the amount of time it takes you to walk a few feet. So he brings down all three opinions. Then what does he say? It's ideal to be sensitive to all three approaches. Excuse me. So basically he's saying that although typically when you have a debate about what a Talmudic passage means, we ultimately figure out which one do we rule like. Over here he's saying all these ideas really make a lot of sense. None of them are mutually exclusive. They all kind of add up and they speak to the importance of concentration, the importance of, of you know, not appearing as if we're trying to run away from God and the importance of, concentra- of, of, of really focusing our thoughts. We should be sensitive to all of them. So the bottom line halacha, what he's telling us, is that a person should not stand near a doorway, right? You should move away from the doorway. Um, and again, a few feet, you know, what, where our seats start is fine. It's like standing in the hallway, you know, the, the aisle behind it, uh, at least in a show like this, that, that's where the first few feet is where, where it'd be problematic. In addition to not standing near the doorway, a person should wait a few seconds before davening in order to help them focus. Yes, Sean. Absolutely. 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 I, I'll just speak for myself. Like I, I can't write. You know, I can't write. I, I, it's e- like I have like my, my routine. I sit in my same place and I clear that, you know, that desk has to be cleared a certain way. And the idea is, right, we, we get to, it's not that we're just, we, we basically are able to plug into a zone. We're able to plug into something where we're set with this. So exactly that, right? They're basically to, to get into, plug into some flow. And that's ideal. We don't always get the chance to do that. Hell of I. But uh, that's what we strive for is that the more we are in a step, right? We know this. We walk into a new room, you're distracted. You walk into the room that you've been walking into before it's like, you know what's going on. You know what's going on. You're able to just focus much more, right? I mean, that, that's the most basic level. But yeah, there's a flow that we, I, we strive for, that we strive for. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the halacha, right? So again, we don't want to dive near a door. We want to wait a few seconds um, and, and that's it. But again, if you have a seat in the back row of a shul, you're fine. Again, in this shul, at least, you're, you're a good few feet away from the door. And, you know, then, sorry? It's just so funny that Everyone's still, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, everyone's ready to run. Listen, Shoal's a scary place, so I don't know. Uh, But yeah, everyone's ready to run, and yeah, that's certainly not what we are striving to do. (laughs) They got to come to the shear. They're lost. Okay, Uh, um, okay, fine. Let's go go a little further. So basically, and again, this would be true. Once again, I just want to emphasize this true in one's own home. Having a, 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 you know, having the the halacha before having a set seat, but also when we daven, just to wait just a few seconds. If we can't wait minutes, just a few seconds. I, I, you know, whenever I, 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 I wish I could say I do this all the time, but the few t- when I when I do, when I'm able to do it, and when I remind myself to do it, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Literally two like two seconds of like just focus. Two seconds of like what am I about to do? Makes all the world all the difference to me. I, you know, and, and that's what the halacha is asking us to do over here. They're basically just to wait a few seconds. Yes, Lisa. So I think this is probably most relevant to women on Shabbos. <clears throat> so if you don't come right immediately at the beginning, so you get in like I'm Oh, the men all come on time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, ideally. Okay. 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 But um, but I know when I get here, I'm playing catch up. You know, mm-hmm. to get to where they are. So. I'm not wasting any time as soon as I get to my seat, you know, I'm grabbing this. Right, right, right. So would it be better still to give it a little time to, and 
Tov ma'atz b'kavana, right? So it's a little, it's better to have a little, a little less with kavana. Absolutely, one thousand percent, right? I mean, just even think about the mindset. And again, I, I'm not, I'm not. There's not a critique. I do this myself. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing. And 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 again, it doesn't mean we should throw away the halachos. It's important to start Shmona Esther if we could catch up, etc. The extra five seconds is probably not going to make the difference. And, and think about the mindset. Meaning, there's the mindset of like I have to say all these words. And there's the mindset of like I'm about to talk to God. The two seconds help us. And and they they just trans could theoretically transform everything that's going to follow. Yes. Right, right. Just wake up early and come on time. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> sorry, option three. Um, look, you know, we spoke about earlier. There, there is something, and that's true for men, women. Uh, there, is, there, is, there is an invaluable um, benefit in being in shul, even if we don't find it. Remember, remember we saw that, that shuva, from, I think we saw it together from Ramosha Feinstein, about whether it's better to daven at home or I'm able to concentrate more as opposed to being in shul. So, Sometimes there's a trade-off. There are times when I'm confident my diving at home would be so much better. I'm telling you right now, at least in my, that's how I would feel. Okay, we believe there's more than my feelings, and, and so there is the, va- there is the value in, in uh, so, you know, how do you find the balance? I, I don't know exactly what, how, to, what to tell you, but, but I sh- we shouldn't discount the, the, the impact of davening and shul, um, even if we lose some of the time and we're going to be a little bit more rushed, there is something to that, even if it does detract, that's how Ramosha framed it, even if it does detract a little bit from our kavana. As long as, again, it's a show, we're still going to have some semblance of Kavana. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Um, let's go back to the front page, the, and we're going to go to source number two. Um, another halacha which is relevant, in some ways more at home than it is in Shul. Okay, so here the Gemara in Brachos says, follow source number two, Amar Rav Vitamer Vishua ben Levi. So Rav says, and some say this statement comes from Vishua ben Levi, Minayin Limispalel. From where do we know that someone who's davening, that there should be nothing between the individual and there should be nothing dividing between the individual and the wall. Okay, we're told over here that a person should be, there should be no, no barrier between the person davening. And when we say davening, we mean Shemona Esra, that's the ikr, that's the main part of tefillah, and the wall in front of them. Shenemrna quotes a verse, Vayasev chizkiyo, panav elakir v'yispalel, talks about chizkiyahu who was given a message and he realizes he needs to daven. And so what does he do? The Pasuk says that he turns to daven. Doesn't just say he turns to daven. He says, Vayasev chizkiyo, panav elakir. He turns to the wall. Why does it tell us he turns the wall? To teach us that a person should ideally be standing by the wall in order to daven. Now, practically, right? So, so basically what we're taught over here, and let's just actually, let's read one more source, the Me'iri, one of the medieval commentators, says the Me'iri in source number three, a person who davens has to be careful. That nothing stands as a barrier between the individual and the wall. So that their heart is not like turned or distracted to those things. If we stand in front of a wall, there's less opportunity to be distracted, right? That's the idea. That's the benefit of standing in front of a wall on the most basic level. Again, the, the thrust of these halachos say is distraction. And so when we stand in front of a wall and there's just a wall in front of us, there's less things that could distract us. That's, that's the basic premise behind it. Now, practically, what does that look like, right? But by the way, this is the... This is the, the I'll just speak on, you know, my, my favorite shul, and one of my favorite shuls is a shul in New York, where the rabbi gets, sits, 
like by the door. Okay, huh, I guess after we learned this, maybe that's not the most ideal. But the reason he does that is because he gets to welcome every person he's walking the door. He says hello. He says good Shabbos. It's beautiful. Okay, I happen to hate the sea, but uh, the reason that we that 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 people are sitting is that that you have the benefits, right? That seen as like people pay sometimes to sit in the mizrachvant. You basically sit, get to sit all the way up front. Why? Because you get to stand against the wall. It's not in the front. It's that you get to stand against the wall. And the idea of the wall is over here is that you don't, there's less, there are fewer distractions when you stand against the wall. Now, how do you build a shul like this, right? You just imagine a shul, which is just one long, uh, you know, instead of going this way, we could just build a shul that would take like five blocks and like 450 seats that we have over here all along a wall. Practically, it's not going to happen, right? So, so how do we deal with that, right? But that's what he's telling us, that ideally, we should be standing against a wall. So let's see how the shulchan codifies this. And the idea is we could get it, right? If you're standing in the back and there's, I don't know, 30 rows or 40 rows, 30 rows in front of you, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of things that are going on. So it, it, it gets a little challenging. And what's the issue? The issue is distraction, right? So ideally, we stand against a wall to prevent distraction. The question is, okay, what about all of us who don't sit right up in front, in the front of the shul? How do we deal with that? So let's see how it's codified in the Shulchan Arach, and, uh, and then, and then we'll, we'll discuss together. So uh, if you look at, so if you go back to the second page, which is a page of the Shulchan Arach, now we're going to go to source, uh, to, 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 if Chaf Aleph, it's, it's like basically in the middle of the, of the Shulchan Aruch, at the top of the page. Uh, Chaf Aleph is a bold, Chaf and Aleph over here, Chaf Aleph. It's uh, again, in the middle of the, the top part of the page. Okay, so it says the Shulchan Aruch, this is how he codifies it. He says, Tzarech shelo yehidzavar chotzeitz beino uvein hakir. He says, nothing should stand between the individual and the wall. V'davar kavua, but something that is set, kigon aron v'teva, like the ark, the aron, or a teva, like the bima. Enam chotzitzim. That is not considered a chatzitza. Okay, if it's something which, so one, now we learn one important exception. If it is something which is set, it's not seen as a chatzitza. If it's something which is like drilled into the ground, it's not seen as a chatzitza. Presumably the rationale behind that is that it's, it's there all the time. It's something which, again, kind of going back to what, what touching upon what Shelley was saying before, and that is that, you know, if, it's, if, you're, if you're accustomed to it, it means every time you're here, this chair is over here, this row is over here. It's not going to be as distracting. Right? And then he continues. He says, right in the parentheses. It's not considered a barrier. It's only considered a chatzitza, something in the way, if it's something which is about 10 tzvachim high, which is about yay big, and four wide, which is about this big. Okay? So if it's like a phone on the floor or something on the floor, that's not an issue. It's something which is like, this, this would be a perfect example of a chatzitza. Okay? Now, wait a second. Don't so many people down in front of a shtender? We'll get there. We'll get there. So, but, but yeah, but this would be a good, uh, I don't know, let's think of something else that would be this size. This is a good chatzitz. It's not, not drilled into the ground, and it's, it's basically in your sight. It's in your line of vision. Okay? Let's keep on reading. Something small is not considered a chef, uh, something which is a barrier. Then he says, Okay, th- these next words are hotly debated because it seems like there's a typo over here. He says, animals are not a chatzitzah are not considered a barrier. Now, most say this is actually a typo and really should say, that an animal is a distraction. It's kind of distracting to have an animal in front of you, right? So he says, so many understand that this is a mistake and really what he means to say is that animals are a distraction. But then he says, but people having a person in front of you, that's not a barrier. That's not a barrier. Let's keep on reading. He says, um, Okay, fine. And that's where the Ramah says, Linira de Balichaim Chotzitzim. He says, no, Balichaim, people do create a Chatzitza, Va'adam Eno Chotzitz, but human beings are not a Chatzitza, Vechainira Sferas Aposkim. And that seems to be the approach of most of the authorities. Vechainira Denafel Tos Besvarim. And it could be that there is a typo in the writing over here. Okay. 
Sorry? Sorry? Linguistically, it doesn't seem like a typo, right? Because linguistically, it just seems like it flows, right? Right. He's, he's a filu, right? And then a filu. Yeah, so, so where the Ramad's coming from is the fact that the Shulchan Aruch is always going to, his, his approach is that he's going to build it off of earlier authorities. And all the earlier authorities say Balechayim, that animals are a distraction. So that, that's where he's going. Yeah, correct. Linguistically, this would not be your typical place where, like, oh, there's a word that got. I, I, it could be the typos here, it could be the typos that he saw something earlier, there's a typo. Uh, but the bottom line is he's not willing to entertain that the Shulchan Aruch is taking, saying this because of more about the precedents than the words that, that I, think, I, believe, I believe that's where he's coming from, than the words in front of him. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's look at, uh, at Samach Gimel in the Mishnah Bura. Samach Gimel. Um, you see that? That's over here next to the big, bold Chaf Aleph. Jumping around a little bit. Okay, so he says like this. Shlo Shenemar. Where does this idea come from? He quotes the pasuk that we've been talking about. panav Again, the chizkiyahu turns his face to the door, to the wall, and davens. Nonetheless, he says, All this whole halacha is just ideal. It's ideal. isura. It's not forbidden to daven if there is something in front of you. If you need to do so because of the limitations of the space. Alkane, he says, therefore, if it, is, if it is not easy to daven, like in another fashion, for example, if you have 10 people in a room, not everyone's able to make it up to the wall. Let's say you have a small room. This is a big room. But even here, what, all the entire shul, imagine the entire shul, uh, you know, would just stand up all over here. It wouldn't, wouldn't work. You're going to like, you know, it's just not simply, it's simply not practical. You shouldn't go to another room to daven. Okay? And you should, you're allowed to do so. Nonetheless, it's idea, a person should focus, close their eyes or look into the sitter and not look around. Again, so they don't get distracted with the things that are in front of them, right? So basically saying, ideally, we stand by the wall. If it's not practical, you could stand anywhere, but you want to make sure that you're focused on the sitter or closing your eyes so that the things that are in front of you don't distract you. One more halacha, then we'll just summarize this and bring this to, to practicality. If you just sh- jump to the second column to Samech Vav, he says, right? He says, the only thing that really is a chatzitza is if it's big. I am betaz. He says, look in the taz. The chaldavar should tzorech tefila. Anything which is needed for prayer. Afilu hu gadol harbe. Even if it's very big, eno chashav hafsik. It's not considered a hafsik. Higona sholchan shebabayis. Shemanichan lava sitter. Let's have a table which you put your sitter on. Ulechei nagu bebeisa kneses. And that's the way of the custom in shol. Sheyesh lefanei kol echad sholchan katan. Each person has a small table. Shekorin shtender. We call the shtender. He says, this thing over here, since it's being used to facilitate prayer, it's tefillah, that's not a problem. Okay, and that's, so, so, fine. That, that's, that's what we're going to see inside. Now let's quickly summarize what he's telling us. What he's telling us is that ideally each person should be standing by the wall when davening. Okay? Pract- so, ideally. Practically, it's not always possible, but that's ideal. There's an addition to that, that even within this ideal, he says there are many things which are not considered a real distraction. For example, let's say you have a table in front of you which you're putting your sitter on. That's not a chatzitza because it's facilitating your diet. It's helping you concentrate. Okay? And then similarly, if you have things which are drilled into the ground, uh, let's say you have this table over here, the, the bima, which is standing over there. That's not a distraction. It's, it's always there. That's also not a distraction. Okay? So again, if it's something which facilitates davening or it's something which is always there, or they add even a person, although one could have debated, a person could be distracting, okay? Nonetheless, 
nonetheless, those are not distractions. And ideally, a person should always, even avoid all people, just stand by the wall. Practically, it's not always possible. There's what's your life on to daven anywhere else, even if you're not by the wall. But if you're not, you have to take extra caution, extra care to focus on your sitter, to not get distracted, because we have to recognize we're all distractible. And people in front of us, objects in front of us, it might detract and, and, and move us away from our attention. Yes. Uh, was there a question? Oh, sorry. Well, you know, Uh, right. Uh, if if you're, I, I believe I believe that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I I I I I I hear that. I think ultimately the halacha is you know that this is the these are things which are seen as that way. But I you know spirit of the law would say, and not even spirit of the law. The halacha is that even with all those things, there still is an ideal. Even with all those things, to stand as close as you can to the wall. Uh, we're gonna get to glass. We're gonna get to. We're gonna get to glass. Okay. Yeah, it's a very, very yeah. Another reason not to put glass. Okay, what's it called? No, but, but we're, we're, I'm gonna get. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that question, which is shortly. Yes. All these things. I don't know. I, the thing I find the most distracting are people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the one Shulchanar says is not. You know yeah, I mean? it's it's. Right. Right. We appreciate your honesty, oh, Karen. This is a good section. I'm going to rate sections. That's what I'm going to do in our show. I'm going to rate sections. This is a good section over here. That's a good section. Yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. If ever the people are focused, so so again, let's just review. Ideally, even people should be avoided, if we can. But again, it's it's completely as he, as he acknowledges. Like one person, three people, four people could stand against those walls, right? I mean, it's just it's not a practical thing. But because of that, because we're human and and we look in different ways, though it is ideal to to dive in as close to the wall because. To, if we know ourselves, pe- people know it depends who you are, but people could catch our attention, right? That said, of course, there is a difference if, if you're looking at their back and they're all facing the same way and in an ideal world, everyone's just davening. Sometimes it can help. But, but yes, ideally, the Shulchan Aruch, the, the post is saying, ideally, 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 you just face against the wall. That's not always practical. Okay, so these are the things that are, that are next level down. And people oftentimes cannot be avoided. It, it, practically in a shul, you will not be able to avoid house, uh, people, yeah. Right, right, right. I mean, I remember like measurements. Can you remind me? Yeah. So very, very briefly. I mean, there's two. There's two features of it. There's two. There's two components of there. One is distracting the other person. Uh, for this exact reason, when we're down in Shemonastery, even then. Uh, so if you're all, everyone takes, again, an ideal world, everyone came on time, everyone started Shemonastery at the same time. And now the question is, one person's taking a little bit longer, okay, you wait a little bit or whatever it is. But basically, the idea is if I'm walking in front of that person, I'm going to distract them. But also, it's, it's for them, but it's also for me. It's seen as like disrespectful to the Shekhinah, which, which sort of speaks stands before them. So really in front of them, the post can say, ideally, all the way. All the way, which is not always so practical, but, but many posts can rule that this is, that is the halacha, and many are, are, are quite strict about that. On the side, it's as long as it's a few, t- like four tfachim uh, to the side, and therefore that, that's not, not an issue. You know, so there's a question sometimes like, okay, you could just go a little bit by the side, you know, if you want to take your three steps back, someone's in front of, behind a damaged professor, you just go a little bit to the side, uh, you know, that, that, that's an inadequate short summary, but that's, that's the basic idea. Yes? 
you're lined up, right? Right. I mean, the visa true over here, meaning the visa true in the men's, right? Everyone's facing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. Ideally, ideally, we should wait for the person behind us uh, to finish again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a longer discussion. There is. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. So between um, having him in your regular place and mm-hmm. being by the wall, mm-hmm. like if you have a choice, make your seat by the wall. <laughs> really. Okay. I don't know. Uh, that would be okay. the, ideally. Okay, ideally. Yeah, you have other reasons not. Yeah, yeah. But those are those are those are the different values. When you're picking a seat in shul, you know, as a we want to have a set seat. Obviously, the other factors we have to we have to account for, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next piece. Okay, so again, these this is as we saw this is ideal, but in a home, in our home, it's much easier, right? In our home, we could usually find a place that is by the wall when we're davening. And that should be our set place that we should, we should always daven in a corner and against the wall because the further back we are, the more things that we're looking at. Um, and so we should find a place, not against the book, you know, and yes, a bookshelf technically, well, there's the books on the bookshelf. I don't know, you know, technically, technically doesn't, is not distracting. But if you know you're going to be distracted, you want to be as close to a place that's not going to be distracting. That's the, that's the basic um, value and ideal. And in a home, it's much easier to attain that. Okay, let's let's go a little bit further with this halacha. Um, if you let's keep on looking at the Shulchan Aruch on, on this page too. Uh, let's see what he has to say. So he says like this: Vyesh Misha Omer. Sorry. Uh, oh yeah, let's read this together first. Vyesh Misha Omer Sheishli Zarm Lispal Achori Shum Adam. There are those who say you shouldn't daven behind any person. V'tov Lachush Ledvarav. Ideally, we should try again practically. You daven in a shul, that's not always very practical that you shouldn't daven be in front of uh, you know be, behind any person. We usually can't avoid that, but if we can, we should. Then. Here's where, here's where it's going to start getting a little more complicated. Clothing, and he means like sheets, which are designed, they have pictures on them. Even though the images on these clothing or these sheets don't stand out, and what he's getting at is that there's questions of idolatry when you have images which kind of, uh, um, what's the word? Like they stick out. There's a word for it. Anyway, protrude, I don't know, I guess. But, but come out, Sorry? In relief, thank, relief is when they come, stick out, right? So thank you. Okay, so when they are in relief, when the images are in relief, there's questions of Avodah Zarah, Idala. We're not going to get into it right now, but there's a whole discussion about having pictures that, pictures in general, things like sculptures are, sorry, but what's it called? Sculptures are, are a little complicated in Lacha. There's what you rely upon. Uh, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's a discussion. That's what he's getting. That's what he's alluding to over here. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not heaven forbid. Uh, but, but, uh, but, but yeah, there, there, there's, there's a whole discussion about things which, which are protruding, things which are sculptures about, idol- is that idolatrous? Is that a form of idolatry? There's certainly what to rely upon. We're not, the whole discussion to its own, but that's what he means. Afal and boltos, even though they're not protruding or they're not in relief. A nachon lispalab kenegdam, a person should not daven opposite those pictures. Right, so right, right, what he's saying over here is that you should not daven in front of a picture. Why? Based on everything we've been discussing until now, it's distracting, right? I don't know about you. I have pictures in my house, and each time I look at them, I find a new detail, right? And there's something new. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I never noticed that. Whatever it is, right? Basically, pictures are distracting. So the more, if you're standing in front of a picture, it could distract you, right? And if you are in a situation where you have to daven in front of a, you know, a, clo- a, a canvas or a wall which has paintings on it, you should, uh, you should close your eyes, okay? So basically the halacha is that standing in front of a picture, we can understand, is distracting. Yes? He is referring to tapestries, correct. Correct, but it's included in tapestries. Would be it's not no difference between a tapestry as opposed to uh, any form of a painting, right? He says, ah, ah. He says, listen, what he says, and therefore it is also forbidden to draw pictures 
in Sidurim. Okay, so this is a big. This has been a debate for a thousand, almost a thousand years about whether or not there should be pictures in Sidurim. You have Tosos talking about this, right? On the one hand, right, they've, they've made some really pretty ones recently, right? Uh, Koran and others, right? You have these Sidurim where you look at the pictures and it's like inspiring and like it moves you, right? And uh, uh, there's a part of me which very much, you know, feels that. And at the same time, the argument is, well, it's distracting, okay? So there's this argument, right? Well, I'll say it's distracting, but it's like enhancing. It's not distracting, right? So you can hear the both sides. Uh, but ultimately, most of the postgame, I'd say most of the postgame come out against pictures, even pictures which are meant to enhance tefillah, meaning the Shulchan Aruch is talking about just pictures in general. And then you have pictures which enhance tefillah. They say, no, you should not have sidurim. And we don't have the, we, it's cut off. We don't, we don't have the next page. But there is a whole discussion about pictures in shul in general. Like that picture, right? Or even, right, so, or, or, or you know, we don't have this over here, but on many, certainly you look at some older arons, right? They have lions and they have, you know, they have image, like not just like pictures, like this is, the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, it's words. Ultimately, it's words, right? Uh, it's a painting of words, right? But you have a lion. Imagine that, right? So forget the distract. But then, and we start getting into a discussion, which is not just about distractibility, but a much more severe discussion about, hey, what am I bowing to? What am I looking at as I say the words of tefillah? Right? So there's just two layers to this issue. So the Shulchan Aruch starts by just focusing on distraction. You shouldn't dive in in front of a picture. Even if it's a beautiful picture of a landscape or even a picture of the Kotel, right? You have, the Mizrach sign. Right? So the Mizrach sign. So, so there are many. There are many. So this is, this, is, this is another area where I will tell you this is a, you know, a big debate. There are those who say it is absolutely forbidden to have any pictures whatsoever in a, in a shul um, because of a distraction. And similarly, when you're at home, to dive in front of a picture... You're going to get dist- it's, it's possible that you'll get distracted. Therefore, don't dive in front of a picture. Dive in against the wall. Even though it might be a picture of Eretz Yisrael or something else which will inspire you, still, when you're diving, and, and by the way, I just want to clarify. When we say daven over here, and I'm going to qualify every time when I say the word daven over here, we're talking about Shwana Esrei. The time when you really have to concentrate, okay? So you want to walk around and you say, Pesukit Zimra, whatever, and you have a picture of the Kotel, whatever it is. No one would say that's an issue. It's really when Shimon Esther, which demands the most concentration, that's what they're talking about when they say Davin, a person should not ideally have a picture in front of them. Okay? Now, the second layer, let's, let's, let's go back to the source sheet, actually. I think, uh, yeah, let's go back to the source sheet uh, for a second. If you look at what I have, you know, 43 scribbled out or source number four. So there's a quote from the Arach HaShulchan. This is back to the first page. I'm sorry for all the jumping around. Back to the first page. It says the Arach HaShulchan, Vichlal. A person should annul, you should get rid of all the pictures of animals and birds. Certainly pictures, images of people. Which they place on the walls of shoals. Says have a picture of a person in a shoal. Imagine that. When we dive in, right, the Aruch HaShulchan is bothered about the second issue. It's not just that it's distracting, but you're bowing down towards an image. And certainly a person, what is that? Right, Terrible. Right? If you look though, the Igris Moshe, or Moshe finds in source number five, he says like this is Uchemosha Minag Pashut, Gam Ata, Keminag Shahayabi Meharan. He says the Minag, the custom goes all the way back, he says, to the times of the Ran, you know, 14th century. He says the custom, for whatever reason, evolved that people paint pictures of lions to inspire us on the Aron, on the Paroches, on the curtain, and we shouldn't uh, protest against this. This person wants to be strict. They could, they could and should be straight. They could be strict. You shouldn't force others. You shouldn't rule to others that they should be strict. So Moshe basically says, yeah, there's reason not to have these lions. There's reason not to have these images in the shul. 
we could hear it very logically. But he says, it's the custom, the custom have developed, and you shouldn't like be yelling at other people not to do so. Ravadi Yosef, in his chuvas, he goes crazy on this. He's like, this is terribly, this is terrible, this is us, this is forbidden. Every rabbi has an op- obligation to tell his congregants that they should outlaw all parochas in with, 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 with lions, and it's a terrible, terrible thing to do. And again, I, I'm not familiar enough with, with Sephardic shows, but I'd be curious to do like, uh, you know, to, to, to see what, what the prevalent custom is. But Rav Avadio, who is most Sephardim rule-like, is adamantly opposed, whereas in Ashkenazi shows, many rely on Ramosha, and they have, you know, on, on, the, on, the, on the Torah, on the parochas, people will have lions. You can understand, though, where the, the hesitation is. The hesitation is to have these images where people are facing a lion or facing certainly a picture. When they daven, it just seems a little bit off. It seems like we're bowing towards an image, and we certainly want to avoid that. Yes? Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a big, big debate. This is a... There's a big Shavuos uh, Shavuos year. The, the big Shavuos year is that basically people put the flowers and the trees and the shul, and there's a big discussion about uh, the the appropriateness of doing so. Uh, right yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Kind of looks like an Asher tree. Yeah, just kidding. I mean, I'm just not sure historically the timeline, but because the Christians had illuminated manuscripts. Do you think this is... It could be. Like it could be. It could be. It's very possible. Sometimes that is an undercurrent of some halachos that there is this sense of not doing what they're doing. I, 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 it's not given... I, I, what I've seen doesn't give voice to that, but it's, sometimes that's inescapable that there is... The, the tree discussion, certainly, you find that, that, that it plays a role. It's like, oh, it's idolatrous, but also they're clearly sensitive to the fact that in churches they were decorating. There was much more uh, foliage in, in, in churches than there, there were today. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You, there's, this is not a. This is not a. This is not a piece against art. This is a piece against distractibility. And I, I you know, and so, sorry. And a vodazara, basically looking towards images, right? So look, there's a whole discussion in of itself of art in general and images in general, and whatever. Many of us, I think, uh, you know, we, we rely on the the notion that that's, it's not seen as idolatry and therefore have art and etc. But yeah, the ksuba would be no different. Ksuba is a legal document, you know. You want to make it pretty by all means, but it's a legal. It would be no different than any other piece of art on, in your house, and that would be totally fine. So so again, just before we get to the question, so what we're seeing over here is that look, there are different customs about art in shuls. And we can understand where the sensitivity comes from. It's distracting. One, one could argue, on the one hand, it's inspiring, right? I don't know about you. Like, there's something about this, this room. I remember we had, we had one speaker who walks in this, walked in. We invited her to speak. She looks around. She goes, this was built in 1950. I said, how do you know? So it's like, it's that, like, 1950 Cold War aesthetic. You know, it's like, it's like a bunker. You know, basically, it's like, okay, if there's a nuclear war, there's no windows, and we'll all be safe in the show. We'll keep on doubting. You know, like, it has that, that you know, there's, there's no, like, there's nothing. It's, 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 it's you know, but and, uh, at the same time, halachically, there's a value to that. Everyone's looking around and like, hey, yeah, Taka. <laughs> it's like there's nothing going on over here. Halachically, you know, these were those pictures added much later. Halachically, you know, there, there's a certain value in not having pictures. You know, on the other hand, one could argue, just like the Sidurim, like, what do you mean? But it's inspiring to look around. You know, so there is a pshara, there is this, uh, this happy medium that some suggest, and that is pictures elevated, but not within our, our sight, our line of vision. And that way, you know, if I need inspiration, I look up, I look around, but then I look back to the sitter and I focus, and when I need to focus, I'm not um, forced to be distracted. And that's what some shoals do, those stained glass windows, for example. Yeah. In many shoals, you know, it's elevated, it's above the, 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 the regular vision of sight, and, that, and that is the, that's been brought down by the post as a way of doing so. So again, is, is, is there what to rely upon for, to have pictures in a shoal? Absolutely. Even to the point, uh, you know, the question about uh, you know, having pictures of people. 
right? That seems to be very problematic to have pictures of people in a shul. Um, so one of Rav Sha'ar Yashuv, one of uh, students of Rav Kook, uh, once had a, has a tshuva where he says that, you know, Rav Kook in his guest room, and people used to dive in Rav Kook's house, so it became like a shul. He says in, in the guest room, one of the places he used to dive in, was filled with pictures of, of Rabbeim, of his teachers, and people dive in there, he had no issue with it, clearly it's mutter, clearly it's allowed. I mean, no, people do that. I don't know. It's, 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 it's uh, you know, so there is what's your lie upon. You see people diving in front of pictures or whatever in front of a Hashem Svasai Tiftach or whatever it is. There, there seems, there is definitely what to rely upon. I, I would suggest there, there is a, there's a good reason to try to avoid that as much as possible and to not dive in front of any of those things. Either A, because it's distracting, but certainly when you get to pictures of people or images of like animals or sons or whatever, those are all things which might get into the realm of looking like we're bowing to them and therefore best to avoid them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So, 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 so again, there is what to rely upon. There is a sensitivity that says, yeah, look at them, put them on the side, you know, not, not to just, just preclude our looking at things which will inspire us. But there is this extreme emphasis on, on distraction uh, that we find in the postgim. And to the point, again, this, the pictures in the Sidurim are probably the gre- greatest example of that, where there was this constant push throughout the ages where the, the, um, the scribes and the, the printers wanted to put images, and sometimes they did. And the rabbis keep on coming back and saying, it's not the right thing. And one would argue, what do you mean? Like, you know, again, some of these, especially some of these modern, like, they're, they're really beautiful. They're really inspiring. But there's a sensitivity of like, I might get lost in the picture and focus and forget what I, what I need to focus on. You know, the, the icker, the tuffle becomes icker. One could, what do you mean? It's enhancing. So uh, the thrust of the postgame is best to avoid. But I don't know if you, like the two have to be mutually, completely mutually exclusive. Picture of the kotel over here. I look at it and then I, I focus on my, my shwan answer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was... I don't know. Art scroll, with all due respect to art scroll, they're not the post of, of they, they, they become the de facto post of, of the Jewish people. Whatever they write in their sitter, that's the Minag Yisrael, right? So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they asked whoever they asked. But again, there's what to rely upon. But, uh, but it, is, it is a major debate. It is a major debate. Um, okay, let's, let's just see two, two relevant halakhos when it comes to tefillah, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. Oh, so one thing, mirrors. Okay, so glass, right? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't see this inside. So that is even, even more, right? That, that goes to that, that more severe issue. One, it's distracting, right? And the second is that it looks like you're bowing to yourself. And so the post can say, a person is not allowed, and he, this is something which is unanimous, you are not allowed to daven facing a mirror. Right? Imagine bowing to yourself. It's highly problematic. What about a glass that has a reflection? The post can say also, a person really should not be davening against a glass. There are those who say, okay, if you're really stuck, you could close your eyes. Some would say, no, that's still not good enough because there's two issues. One is distraction, and you could avoid that by closing your eyes. But if the issue is idolatrous, like it looks like you're bowing to yourself, then closing your eyes is not enough. Right? I, I wasn't there, but I was told that once in, 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 in Israel, in Israel uh, they put a plexiglass in front of the chazin so his voice would carry. And he realizes in the middle of Shemona Esrei, in the middle of Chazar Sashats, that he's looking at himself. He sees like, oh my gosh, I see her of the pencil, you know, where the light was, you know, but basically he's like, he sees a direct reflection of his face and there was a whole discussion. So, you know, they, they stop, everyone's debating, you know, the last place you want to have a halachic question is in yeshiva, right? Uh, you can just imagine, right? So there's not, there's 45 rabbis. Um, anyway, fine, finalize, you continue davening. But the, but the point is that we really try to, to avoid this, right? Basically, certainly to daven in front of a mirror, everyone would agree is completely inappropriate. Uh, sometimes you're stuck. And, and so there is what's your lie upon to close your eyes, but it's, uh, it's not so simple. Right? I remember just this past week, I was, I was traveling uh, with, uh, with, with someone, and uh, they, they 
they wanted to say Tfilas Aderach. Um, and so uh, they, you know, and basically in front of them was someone who, who wasn't, you know, they, they were very immodestly dressed. You can't can down in front of them. So, um, so I said, oh, just turn this way. If you look at this way, some, another person very immodestly dressed said, oh, look that way. And it's a mirror. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the glass of the, of the train. So I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, you know, but basically you're surrounded on all sides by a situation where you can't really say God's name. So what do you do? Okay, uh, basically. I told the person just like stand up and pretend you're going to the bathroom and go go you know go dive over there if you need uh, but whatever but basically this is this is uh, these come up these come up but yeah again a, a, a person should definitely not dive in front of a mirror in front of a glass as well in front of a window that has a reflection you also you know it, it, it depends on the type of day but you should really try to avoid put down the blinds or whatever it is uh, but setting up a shul it's something which a shul should take into account that they should not be you know. Yeah, so that's fine. Shimon Esther is the main. Shimon Esther is, Shimon Esther is the main focus, but uh, but yeah, yes. You keep saying it looks like you're bowing to yourself. So how much of this about Azara thing has to do with the way it's perceived by other people? You know, you're not bowing to yourself. So you good. Know you're not bowing to the lion. Right, right. So the post game are sensitive in this, and, and, and to the point that they say, and and, and, it, and that goes to the question of closing your eyes, right? So most of the post games say that when it comes to mirror, even if you're closing your eyes which means I don't even see it. And it's certainly, I know I'm not bowing to myself, but it's a matter of perception as well. And therefore, most say that even closing your eyes with a mirror, of other people, even, perce- if even if you're alone in your house, your house meaning there's this sense of like, there's something off about bowing to an image of yourself, even if you know, and if, even if no one's there, but it's, it's that perception. So yeah, let me be... The same thing to a lion and a shul. That's right, also, that's right. Correct. So let, let, me, let, me, let me summarize. I know that we, I think I've been throwing a lot of details out. I apologize. So there, there are two issues of davening in front of things. One is distractibility. When it comes to distractibility, closing your eyes would be fine. The second issue is bowing to things which seem idolatrous. Okay? There, many of the postgim are, there you have a debate. When it comes to like lions or things in a shul which enhance your, you know, which, which are just part of the culture, uh, some still say you shouldn't do it. Others have what you rely upon. When it comes to a mirror, um, all the posts can say that you definitely should not be dominating in front of a mirror. Closing your eyes, there, there are those who say there's what to rely upon, but many say that that's still not sufficient. You really should just look the other way. Yes? It would be the same. It would be the same as if you're and facing turning, directly. Turning to the side would be fine. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, turning to the side, uh, turning to the side, but, but it seems like the posts are, are, are focused on saying Barachat Hashem to, to, to a mirror. As well, that would be seem to be an issue. Yeah. I mean, move your move your head a little. Move your head a little. Move your head a little. I'm just making everyone's life difficult. Sorry. Don't make a wall of mirrors in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's something nice about the candles reflecting off it, right? It's okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's. Let, I just want to quickly summarize two two halachos. Um, that, that come up in Shul, um, despair at Alachos, but they, they tie into this last uh, piece that we've been discussing. Um, let's, just, let, let's just turn to page, um, to the, the third page, and source number seven, like scribbled seven over here. Uh, two, two rant, they don't, they don't tie in perfectly to what we're discussing, but I just want to make sure we include them in our discussion of, of davening and places that we daven. Uh, so he says like this in source 48, or set, the seven is scribbled in, in a, with a pencil. You're allowed to have in shul a diapered child who's wearing clothing. 
Okay, there's a whole discussion. Most of it is not relevant anymore, but, but historically, you know, people would relieve themselves everywhere, right? So you constantly have to be on the lookout, like, is there urine here? Is there excrement over here? Before davening, because the bathroom, you know, to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the outhouse or whatever it is, where people had a thing in the corner or whatever. Thank God we live in a highly sanitary uh, society. The real time this question comes up is what about a child with a diaper? Okay, so the basic halacha is, uh, when it comes to diapers, is that, uh, let, let, let's finish. So he says, a child with a diaper, don't worry, you could bring a child with a diaper to show. We don't have to worry that the child will relieve himself or herself. Because even if there is waste, excrements, there are those who permit, if it is covered, and there is no smell from where you stand. Okay, so really the halacha is that from where the smell ends, you have to travel about eight feet. Okay, so the bottom line is if you're a parent and you have, a, or your grandparents and you have a child with a smelly diaper, you want to bring that child out of the shoal because, you know, it could, you know, because anyone in that immediate area should not be dominating. If no one smells it and you can't smell it, then it's fine. Right? So the fact that there's a child with a diaper and shul, so, you know, before you die, before you bench, you know, you should go and if you, you want to make sure this child's not smelly. But the bottom line is that the diaper is covered. And let, let's actually read one more line on that. If you look to the next underline, chitol shal a diaper that's on a child, which is not covered by an additional piece of clothing, if it's covered with, if it's, if it's filled with waste, Dino kigraf Then it's like a, it's like a, uh, you know, like a bedpan, which you can't daven in front of. So he says like this: If the diaper, if the child is walking around with a diaper, that's a problem because even if you don't smell it, it's like you're in the same room as like a bedpan, and even a bedpan which is completely empty, if it's designated for waste, you can't just like you can't daven in a in a bathroom. Our bathrooms are, they say, are cleaner than our kitchens. Sorry, it's true. Uh, I don't know. There, there's all these fun articles where they like check test the amounts of the germs or whatever it is. Fine. So the bottom line, our bathrooms are quite clean and beautiful, whatever. Bottom line, you can't dive in there, right? Because it's a designated place for waste. The same is true if you were to take the toilet somehow and bring it outside of the bathroom. You were to take like a potty, right? And put it out of the bathroom. The potty itself is like, is like has the din, has the halacha of a bathroom. So a diaper, which isn't, sorry? Yeah, 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 exactly. So a, 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 toil, a, a diaper, he, say, he has this interesting reason. He says a diaper, which is a diaper in and of itself is, is seen as like a graf shal re'i, and therefore a diaper, you cannot dive it in the same room with the child is just in a diaper where there's waste in that diaper. So what you could do if the child has an additional piece of clothing, they have their shorts on, they have a little skirt on, whatever it is, then, then you're allowed to dive in that area because then it's like a bathroom, which has a door closed, totally fine. Even if there's soa, even if there's waste in that diaper, that's not an issue. Okay, so one more halach again. If, if, if it smells, that's an issue. If you know that it smells, you have to make sure you're eight feet away, approximately eight feet away. But the fact that there's a child there with a diaper, even if there's waste in the diaper, even if you know there's waste in that diaper, the fact that it's in that room is not going to be an issue for your davening. Unless, again, you could smell it or you're within the immediate area of its smell. Yes. This is Rosh Norbach. Okay. There, there, look, there, there are, there are different opinions. Uh, there are different opinions. Okay. But, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's what's rely upon. Um, there's what's rely upon. It's nice to hear. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's what, there's, there's definitely what's rely upon. So, um, yeah. Okay. So one more, this is something we're just going to, just going to stay out. Um, just going to, we're just going to do orally cause we're running a little bit, uh, low on time. Um, kissing people in shul. Okay. And I don't mean like, uh, like an intimate kiss. I mean, just like a kiss on the head or whatever it is. The halach, the shulchan brings down that a person should not kiss a child in shul. Why not? Because it's supposed to be a place of reverence, 
supposed to be a place where we have reverence. And a kiss, by definition, there's Ava, there's love, there's Yira, they're over here on the continuum. And a kiss, that sense of endearment, although, what do you mean? It's like beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. There's nothing wrong. It's a beautiful thing to do. You should kiss a child all the time, whenever you can. They let you. Uh, you know, your own children. Uh, but, but, uh, but the point is that, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. What's it called? But, but, uh, but the point is, the point is that it does detract. It's not something we do in a place when you're in a sense of, you know, state of trepidation. So the halacha is you should not kiss a child in shul. Now, there is an interesting debate. And again, you can read the sources yourself. I apologize. I'm going to summarize. I have to run in a moment. But Ramosha Feinstein was recorded as kissing his children in shul. And he ruled that it was not, it was not a halacha of shul. It was a halacha of tefillah. And they bring a fascinating proof. This halacha of not kissing a child is found not in the laws of base knesses. There's a set of laws, hilchos base knesses. It's found in the laws of hilchos tefillah, the laws of prayer. And they, some infer from there the fact that it, where it's placed, right? They, when, you, when you study the text, you really go into the depth of, yeah, it's not just what it says. Where, do these, where is this halacha placed? The fact that it's placed not in Hilchos Beis HaKnesses, but in Hilchos Tefillah teaches us that it's specifically while I'm praying, I can't kiss a child. But if it's after I'm praying, before I'm praying, no problem, right? So that's, not everyone agrees. There are those who don't kiss a child whatsoever in Shul. But during davening, uh, sorry, but there is what's to rely upon that if it's after davening, before davening, while well, they're not davening, there's what to rely upon to kiss a child in Shul. Again, there are those who are stringent, yes? Is it just kissing or is it also hugging? It's, it does not include hugging. Because again, one could argue one cannot hug, but then one could argue one cannot be nice. You know, like, it's, it's, that's the line. The line is, line is drawn at kissing. Uh, but yeah, but hugging is not included in that, even though hugging is a, is a, is a sign of, of endearment. There's, a, there's one more interesting, uh, Rav Zilberstein uh, has, has a tshuva where he's asked the question, what about if a child falls and is crying? You know, like, uh, you know, a little kid falls and they're crying. You know, they trip, they didn't get their candy, whatever it is. You know, they're crying. And you want to kiss them to comfort them. So he says, that's permitted. He says, that's permitted. He says, the whole issue of kissing is that it shouldn't be like a sign of like affection and love. A kiss to comfort is a different kiss, right? You're basically, yes, it's, it's still, it's, it's from a place of love, of course, but it has a different connotation. That, he says, is permitted. That's mutzer, right? So it's a fascinating thing. So basically, again, just quickly to summarize, there are, there, the halachas brought down, a person should not kiss a child when davening. There are those who understand it's limited to davening itself. In the shul itself, it's not problematic. There are those, many others who say, no, in a shul, a shul is a place of reverence. You shouldn't kiss at all. Hugging's not including that, but you should not kiss at all. But if it's a kiss, a different type of kiss, it's a kiss to comfort, there are those who allow it. And, and, this, and, and, and additional, the, there's, there's a whole discussion, which is not as relevant for us, uh, but for Svardim, or if you're, uh, you know, I grew up in Montreal. Montreal, like the way you say hello to someone, is you give their hand, you kiss on both cheeks, or a certain place in Europe, right? This was norm, the norm. So there's a whole discussion about, like, if that's, you know, the norm for their place, then a whole different discussion. It's not really the norm over here that we would say this is how we greet, certainly not a normal greeting, uh, wouldn't include a kiss. A kiss, you, you, I think most Americans would kiss someone on the cheek if it's a more intimate, you're not intimate, but I'm saying a more loving type of thing. So that would not be appropriate for us in, in shows. Uh, but, uh, but again, you know, there is a big, major discussion. Sephardic shows, especially they, 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 you know, they kiss, like kiss the hand of, the, you know, of, of a very special rabbi or whatever, things like that. A whole discussion into its own. But for us, kissing in a shul is something we, we avoid. Uh, there is what to rely upon to kiss a child, kiss someone outside of davening. Uh, but even if you are davening and you're kissing to comfort a crying child, that is permitted. Okay. Have a great day, everyone. Great to see you all. Next week, obviously, there's no class.